0: We're going to go into today's scripture reading, uh, which comes from Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 in the ESV. There are ESV Bibles. uh, There's some under your your pews uh, in front of you. Uh, Also, uh, you can look that up if you have a Bible app handy. Uh, If you're joining us at home, I know sometimes it's hard to read the scripture on the screen, so you may want to look that up on your own. And so... uh, once you are ready to read the scripture, uh, feel free to do this if you're joining us from home, if you feel comfortable to. But if you're joining us here in person, as Abel, do you could please stand uh, for the reading of God's word. So again, it's Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the woman and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> well, friends, um, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning and uh, this afternoon. I'm going to keep doing that for a while. <laughs> uh, but we, we are starting uh, this new sermon series. We just started it last uh, week, and it's going to go on pretty much the whole semester, and it's called Deep. Uh, we're talking about how we can get deeper with God and how we can allow the deep things of God to be able to uh, penetrate the depths of who we are, our very souls. And so we started last week, and, um, you know... Last week we, we, we touched on this, but we're going to be dealing with like a lot of metaphors. Two of the main ones are going to be water and growing things like plants and trees and stuff like that. And so last week we talked about uh, that, that uh, psalm where it's, it's where we get that, that old hymn praise song. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about water and the cascading waters that were coming down from Mount Hermon and, and, and you know, flowing into the Jordan and the deep water, right? And, and just this idea that we don't want just the shallow things of this world. We don't just want shallow pleasures, but we want to get deeper, right? And, and so, uh, you know, that's going to be a very important metaphor. Uh, and the second one actually sometimes combines with the first. So the second one is like growing things, Right. And so you've got like Psalm 1 where it talks about like, you know, those who meditate upon the Lord are like a tree planted by uh, uh, flowing streams, right? And they, they bear the fruit in season. And um, yeah, and so, you know, you, uh, you, you have these growing things. You have these things that bring life, living water. Um, and so one of the main uh, metaphors we're going to use, one of the main parables we're going to be looking at, uh, this semester is uh, the parable of the sower in the seed, and I want to encourage you you all uh, that uh, maybe in preparation for next week this isn 't homework, but y- you know if if you do uh, uh, some devotional scripture reading, I highly encourage that i want to encourage you to meditate upon luke eight it 's going to start in verse four. Uh, and and meditate upon the parable of the sower and the seed. We're going to read part of that right now. Um, And and, uh, it's going to be kind of an ongoing metaphor for us. So um, it says, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underneath and underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured him. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It goes on uh, for Jesus to explain what the parable means. And so if you want to meditate upon the scripture, you can meditate upon that whole passage. Just read it. Just read it a couple times. Um, And, um, yeah, friends, uh, I I think what I'm hoping is that we can learn what it means for the seed. We're going to talk about what that is next week, but for the things of God, for Jesus to go deep, the Holy Spirit to go deep into our souls and then start growing, right? And as it starts growing, you know, maybe you don't always see it grow right away, right? But it's going to bear much fruit, hundredfold fruit, that's what it talks about in this passage, not just a little bit. When it talks about this spiritual life and God's desire for your spiritual life, it's always overflowing. It's always abundant. It's not just, just, just a little bit. It's like, whoa, hundredfold, like just boom, 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 right? There's just plants everywhere, right? It's, it's plentiful, abundant life God wants to give you. That's what we want, Right? I recognize that for so many of us in the church, we don't have that. It's not abundant. It's meager. It's just barely scraping by. Sometimes we just have enough spiritual fervor to make it to the next Sunday. And we're so parched. We're so thirsty. We're so dry. We're so shriveled. We're like, we need need that praise. We need that word from God. We need that fellowship. And we're just like, "Ah," right? We're so thirsty. We need it. And then the next week comes and it's the same thing over and over again. Friends, we don't want that. We want the living water, right? We want the deep things of God. We want abundant, overflowing life, right? And so, friends, I do want to recognize, though, that as we were talking about how do we get this, that something very interesting in this passage is that there are some seeds that don't even get into the soil. You notice that, right? So it says the sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path. And was trampled underfoot. So we're going to deal with all the other seeds and all the other you know, parts of this parable in the weeks to come. But today, we're just going to talk about that unfortunate seed that it just, it doesn't get in, right? And so when it says the path, right, I, I was kind of interested to see what roads in Samaria look like. And so this would be an unpaved road in Samaria. So this is modern-day Samaria, but it might have looked something like that. Friends, that ain't soil, Right? If you put a seed there, no growth, right? And so it's just going to sit there. It's never going to go in, right? That ground has been packed down by all the animals and all the people who tramp through there, right? No seed will ever get through. There will be no growth. And so we're told that what happens? People trample it, right? And eventually the birds just come and they take it away, right? And and so if you know the parable and Jesus' explanation, he says Satan comes and snatches it away before it can ever take root into anything. And friends, I was wondering, who is that? We usually assume that's like non-Christians or people of other religions or you know, people who are just, oh, you're so lost, right? But I was thinking, are there some people who don't want to get into the soil? Are there some people who maybe if you are the soil, depending on how you think of this parable, they don't want the seed to come in? That seems odd, Right? But it made me think of the story that we just read uh, with uh, Adam and Eve. And really, friends, what's so interesting about the story is Adam and Eve had paradise, right? They had perfection. They had everything. They had union with God, right? And that is what we're always trying to get back to, this idea that Adam and Eve, I mean... They were bucket naked, right? I mean, they just were, were walking around. No shame. And they're with God. And they're like in the garden, walking around with God. I cannot imagine what that's like, right? None of us can. But it must have been so wonderful. Why did they give that up? What happened, right? And so it's a story as old as time. But friends, this idea that we start with union, and then something gets broken. And if you understand what happens here? I think you'll understand why some of the seed doesn't get into the ground. So let's take a look. So the serpent was more crafty than the other uh, than any other beast of the field that the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, "Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden?" And the woman said to the garden to, said to the serpent, "Excuse me, we may eat of the trees of the fruit of the trees in the garden." But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Friends, the reason why I emphasize that, if you guys know what God actually said to Adam and Eve, to the first man and woman, he did not say that. He said, if you eat of that fruit, you'll die. But Eve adds something to it. She, she's, she adds the whole, like, no touchy, right? Right? If you even touch it, right, you'll die, right? And she's adding more restrictions. Why is this important? Because I think it shows the, the first humans their way of thinking about God's rules, right? What is God's rule for? It's for Adam and Eve's good. He's like, that there is a death tree, and that is death fruit. If you eat the death fruit, you'll die. I don't want you to die. I love you guys. Don't eat it. And so Adam and Eve are like, Well, God said we can't eat it. He said we can't touch it. And they're starting to feel restricted. I think that's what's happening. And so here the serpent serpent comes and he hooks on that. And he's like, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Mm. No, God is deceiving you. God is actually holding out on you, right? He says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so the serpent is dangling literally the forbidden fruit and saying, yo, God is keeping you from something wonderful. You're going to have all this wisdom. You're going to be like a God, right? And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took this fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Guys, I'm just like legally required. I'm I'm kidding. I'm not legally required, but I do this every time I teach this. Don't blame the woman, guys. What does it say here? It says she gave some to her husband who was with her. Adam was silent this whole time, (laughs) right? Like, so you picture it's just the snake and Eve, and then she's like, oh, okay, let's, let's take the fruit. And then, you know, she goes over to the husband and tempts him. That's not what's happening. Adam is sitting there, do do doo do do doo and serpents, right? And he doesn't do anything. So anyways, just, just want to say that, right? Because one of the things that happens is blame gets introduced. That's actually part of the sin, It's the breaking of fellowship between fellow humans. We start blaming each other. It was your fault. It was your fault. And we do that with this passage all the time. Okay, now getting that out of the way, right? So the, the woman and the man, right, they look at the fruit and they're like, that looks good. Mmm, looks tasty. Oh, why doesn't God want us to have this again? I should get to have this. Oh, well, maybe the serpent is right. And they start to believe the serpent, right? But this is the thing that is so tragic, friends. What happens when they actually eat it? So what happens is they do become aware of some things, right? The serpent, and this is the way it works with Satan all the time is Satan doesn't usually come out and tell you a complete lie. It's a half-truth, right? And that's exactly what's happening here. It's like, oh, your eyes will be open, right? You'll be like God, right? Yeah, actually, part of that was true. They noticed more things, but the things that they noticed were not good for them. Like they noticed their shame, their nakedness, right? Right? And that's what happens. Their eyes were open, they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So now, friends, I mean, not to put too much fine a point on it, but now you already have some barriers that are being put up, right? Now we need protection, right? And, And covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Friends, this is a tragedy, what happens. The man and the woman, by the way, do you guys remember the one thing we're told about the man and the woman when God created us? You remember the one thing that we're told? What did he do? He created us in the image of God. We were already like God. But the thing about being like God, what God desired, was not us to be like God, independent of him. Right? Not to be rival gods, but to be united with him, to be in perfect fellowship with him. And so what, again, half-truth, what the snake was talking about is in this act of disobedience, what the man and woman were actually doing was they wanted to be their own gods. They wanted to decide what life would be like, and what we find out is life apart from God is really hard. It's really trying. It's really a uh, uh, draining, and, and it's not life giving. It's death giving. And they didn't die away. Or they didn't die right away, but they started to wither. Right, they started to lose their spiritual vitality as the fellowship with God was broken, right? And that's what's so tragic. And guys, yeah, did you notice what it says here when it says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God? I mean, I get a little teared up when I hear this. And, and then you know, it says that they were afraid; they were afraid of the presence of God, right? Guys, it's in it contrast to what we read last week. You guys remember we read Psalm forty-two, right? That as the deer passage, as the deer. Pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Or the the, the translation uh, for that could be when shall I come and see the face of God? The face of God is really about the presence of the Lord right and that is what we truly need when we realize our spiritual poverty poverty when we realize that this world is so shallow what it can't give us is the presence of the lord it can give us the many things that god has already created right and those things are good but they're limited right They don't have life unto themselves. They were given life by God. And those things are finite. They go away. They have an expiration date. But we need flowing streams, life that keeps regenerating, and that can only come from God. The presence of God is what we truly need. And now the man and woman want to hide from the presence of God. That's where we really get broken. So what about us? Do you ever feel like hiding from the presence of the Lord? When when God is saying, where are you? Where are you? By the way, friends, God (laughs) created the heavens and the earth, (laughs) right? Just a couple chapters before, Genesis. This is not a low view of God, right? They just got done telling us how God created everything, light and dark, land land, sky, sea, birds, beasts, everything, right? God is powerful. God is great. Do you think he didn't know where they were? Of course he knew where they were, right? So what gets broken is not that they have the ability to hide. It's that they want to hide now. There's something that gets introduced, this fear of God, right? And I'm not talking about the respect of God, the honor of God, that talks about as the beginning of wisdom. It's something that makes you want to be far away from God. This is what happens, and this is what sin is. Friends, if you want just a quick definition of sin, right, without getting into all theological details and whatever, it's just separation from God, right? We had union, right? We had union, and that gets separated. And when we are hiding from God, when we don't want to be with God, that is sin. So friends, why? Why do we hide if God is so great, if God is the one who can uh, uh, quench every thirst within you, why do we hide? You no, know, partially because I think the man and woman, even though they, they they sinned right and they made that choice, but they have the awareness of that sin now. They have that shame, right? And what shame does is it makes you feel like you are unworthy of love, right? When someone's ashamed, what do they do? What do they do? Usually. Like, like, like if you're just like, like I, I don't know, just imagine you're feeling shame, right? Would you be like, shame, or would you be like this, shame, right? You, you, your face falls. You're not facing the person anymore. You can't look them in the eye. There's a disconnection that happens because you worry. You're like, not worthy of love anymore. They're not going to like me anymore. They're not going to want to be with me anymore. And we fear that with God. But not only that, but there is a sense in which we think of God as this cosmic joy taker, right? We're like the man and woman who are looking at the fruit. We're like, oh, well, well, that looks good, right? It looks good. And part of me, I really want that. And God's like, no, 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 it'll kill you. And we're like, will it kill me eventually? But will it kill me right now if I have it right now? Like, like, will I be able to live for a little bit? You know, like, how much will it kill me, you know? and And we do that all the time. And there's a part of us that's like, I kind of want to be able to do that. I kind of want to be able to take the forbidden fruit. I kind of don't want God to tell me what to do. I don't want God to make me feel bad. There's a ton of reasons we hide. Sin does that. It breaks our fellowship with God, and it breaks our fellowship with each other, right? So think about it, friends. I'm just, just trying to be honest, right? Are there things in your life that you want to hide from God? Because there are things in my life I want to hide from God, right? And while you're thinking about that for a second, um, I, I want to go to the last story. So, so this is the kind of third metaphor that we're going to use um, today. Third story we're going to use. And it's about the woman uh, at, at the well. This is a very famous story, but I think it really shows like the hiding aspect and how God, how Jesus in particular heals this. So uh, Jesus was, uh, he came to a town of Samaria called Sakaar. If you guys don't know, Samaria... Uh, it was uh, used to be the northern part of Israel, and that got conquered way before the southern part of Israel. And so, a lot of people in Samaria were Jews at one. Well, not they weren't Jews; they were Israelites. Excuse me, Jews came from southern. That's why it's Judah, Judaism, right? Like they're Jews; they're from Judah. Uh, but the northern part, uh, Samaria, that got very intermingled with uh, the nations that conquered them over time. And so, the people in the south. Really just despised the people in the north, they thought of them as being like you know impure, uh, uh, their religion got all mixed up, their races got mixed up, and they 're like, mm, no, the Samaritans are bad they 're dirty they 're unclean and so he 's here in Samaria and there 's this woman who happens to be a Samaritan woman and so he's at this, this, this uh, uh, field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Do you guys know what time this is? So biblical time, uh, or time in, 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 at this uh, point, um, it, it runs on uh, basically the daybreak, right? And so the sixth hour would have been about six hours after about 6 a.m. So we're th- talking about noon right? And this is when the sun is blazing the most. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And you guys may, if you've ever heard a a pastor teach on this passage, they probably made this point that it's, there, there probably was no one else here at this well, right? Why? Because the sun is blazing. You don't collect water at the well at noon. You do it first thing in the morning when the sun is down, or you do it after the sun goes down at night right? To get your water for, for overnight. Uh, you don't do it at 12 when the sun is blazing. But this woman has come here at 12 probably because she knew no one else would be there. We're going to find out things about this woman. That this woman has a past. That this woman has a reputation. That this woman is labeled as a sinner most likely in her town and seen as an outcast. And so here she is, an outcast woman. The sun is blazing, right? And she meets Jesus. And so Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples they had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And, and so we're told here, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, right? She's like, what are you doing? This is so weird. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What are we talking about this whole time, friends? That's what we want, the living water, right? The abundant life. And so with this woman, we enter this story because do you want the living water? I want the living water. So let's find out how to get it. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons in his livestock. And Jesus said to her, oh, sorry. Uh, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So again, friends, that's what a lot of us don't have. We lose energy. We lose the the water. We lose the life. And we're always dry. But Jesus wants to give us something that will never stop flowing and just as well right it's just always going to have the water it never goes dry and the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i will not be thirsty or have to come here to drink water uh, to draw water and jesus said to her go call your husband and come here friends um this, this is uh, uh, pretty bold of jesus right here <laughs> Pretty bold move. What's happening? Jesus is the son of God. He knows everything. He knows this woman. This was not an accident. This was a divine appointment. He knows that this woman is hiding. She's hiding from her past. She's hiding from her reputation. She's hiding from the other people in the town, right? And she's probably hiding from God. And she's like, if you can give me living water, that would be dope. Right? Sorry, that would be so great. It'd be so great because I don't like coming to this well in the middle of the day, having to hide from everyone. Right? But not only that, I think she feels in her spirit that dryness. She's tried so many things to fill that hole. Right? She's tried so many things, so many relationships. Because that's what Jesus is pointing at. Her broken relationship past. And he asks this question go call your husband and come here. And the woman, this is extraordinary. She answers, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And I think for most people in a conservative religious community, um, even today in 2023, if you had five husbands and then you, you had a new man, and you were not married, but you're living together with that man, that'd be pretty scandalous. But imagine, (laughs) this is first century Palestine, right? This is unheard of. I mean, we get why she's an outcast, right? And I'm not saying this makes her any worse than anyone else. But in the eyes of her society, people look at this woman as being irredeemable. And maybe she thought that about herself. And she's like... (laughs) I am so thirsty. Maybe maybe you do have the answer. Maybe you are real. Maybe you're not just a guy, a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. But maybe you are the Messiah. And if that's true, I want this water. How do I get it? And Jesus says, bring your husband here. And she has this moment where she tells the truth. It's not the whole truth, right? She doesn't get all into it. But she opens herself up a little bit to Jesus. I have no husband. Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I know your past. I know every man you've been with. I know every broken relationship. And I'm going to still be here, and I'm going to talk to you. And so they keep talking. And friends, you know, what ends up happening, you know, fast forward a little bit, is Jesus says this, and, and I want you to understand what's happening here. So she asks a direct question, and Jesus does not give her a direct answer. She says, how do I get this living life, water, right? And, and, she's, and Jesus says, tell me the truth about you. And then he says, the hour is coming, and it's now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Right? It says it twice. In spirit and truth. Okay. Just, just the, 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 the short answer, right? The living water is the spirit. Where is the truth? Well, it's the truth of who God is, of course. But it's also the truth of you. God cannot save you without you. God cannot work in your life without you, right? And he's asking this question, where are you? Where are you? He knows, right? He knows exactly where you are. I, I can see you. But he lets us hide. Why? Because he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with this woman. He's telling this woman, "Can you come out of the darkness? Can you can you come out of hiding? Can you tell the truth of who you are so that I can interact with that?" And notice that he doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't like, mm, "Wow, you're so sinful. What's wrong with you?" He he doesn't put her down, right? I mean, nothing changes after, you know, she reveals that 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 she he reveals that truth, right? But he, he says, like, true worshipers, you're going to get the spirit when you have truth. When you bring all of yourself before me. And so, friends, um, you know, this, this is something that maybe, again, you're thinking this doesn't apply to me. You're like, Pastor Steve, this is so nice. So nice that so you're talking to all these non-Christians. But I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I don't need this message. This isn't for me. And I just want to gently remind you of the way Jesus would talk to the most religious people of that time, the Pharisees. These people, they kept the law, they did things perfectly, they didn't publicly sin in the same way that some of the, like this woman uh, at this well in Samaria did. And this is what Jesus said. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And so there is this idea for a lot of religious people that what we do is we just get really good at hiding. We're actually not that much better than other people out there in the world. We're just much better at hiding it. In right? our sins, we just justify themselves to ourselves. You know, we say to ourselves, we're like that Pharisee who came before uh, the, 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 the treasury, and or, sorry, excuse me, came to the temple and came to pray and was like, God, thank you so much that I'm not like these other people. Right? I'm not like this tax collector over here. And the tax collector is beating his chest and is like, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? And, and Jesus was like, who's going to be justified in the eyes of God? Because the Pharisee does have sin, but is hiding from it, and is hiding with their religiosity. And there's so many times, man, you know, us really religious people, and I include myself in this, there's just a lot of stuff we just overlook. Friends, I got to tell you, um, I I am emotional this morning. I, I was telling the praise team before we came out, I was just getting so convicted by the scripture as I was reading it this morning. Man, I just I just felt it. I'm like, I'm the Pharisee. Yeah, I I just come up here and you're like, oh wow, Pastor Steve, like, oh, Pastor Steve, you know, Pastor. Man, I wasn't born Pastor Steve. My parents didn't call me Pastor Steve. (laughs) You know, I was just Steve. I'm just a guy. Man, I've sinned so much. I'm so imperfect. And one of the things for me is that, yeah, God is working in my heart. And I say this to you, to to everyone, every Sunday morning, God loves you and accepts you exactly as you are. But he loves you enough that he doesn't want to leave you there, you know? And, and, And I think that for us, we get to a point where sometimes, like, we're just so either ashamed of our sin or sick of our sin that there's these little parts of ourselves that we're just like, I'm just going to ignore this one. I'm just going to tuck this one behind my back. And mm, maybe it's not that big a deal. And God is looking at that. And he's like, I want you to worship in spirit and truth. Can I have that? Can you bring that before me? Because you know Jesus. He's not going to judge you, right? He's not going to condemn you for that. But if you could bring that before him, then you can enter into that spirit of truth. Right? God can work in your life exactly the way he did with the woman at the well. Friends, I want to end with this. Um, some of you may know this, but the woman at the well is renowned in the Eastern Church. She's considered a saint. So this is how the story goes, that um, after uh, this incident, right, that this, this uh, encounter with Jesus... And I think you guys know that she goes to her entire town and is like, come and see this man. You guys got to see this man. She, he knows everything about me. And so they all come, and then they hear Jesus, and they become convinced, and they beg Jesus, can you come and stay with us? And Jesus stays a couple extra days just, you know, fellowshipping with them and sharing with them and teaching them. And, you know, uh, and then after that, the, the way that the story goes is that this woman, was so just on fire for Christ. She would go to every town, to anyone who would hear it, and be like, I want to tell you about Jesus. And she did it so much that she actually earned this nickname that's pretty incredible if you understand the sexist history of the church, that she was called the equal to the apostles. Can you imagine that, this woman? right, who had such a bad reputation, they're like, yo, she just shared with so many people about Jesus that she's the equal to the apostles. And she started to draw attention from the emperor of Rome. Emperor Nero heard about this woman and was like, yo, this is out of control. And so they took her and they eventually executed her. And you know what they did? They took her and they threw her down a dry well. That's how the story goes. This kind of like they heard the story about the woman at the well. They're like, okay, so we're going to put you in a well, right? They threw down a dry well, and she died. But I'll tell you this. That well was dry, but she was not. Her name um, that she was baptized with is Photine, And in Greek, it means the lighted one that they saw this woman coming out of darkness into the light. And they're like, you had that old name. We don't know what her name was. It's lost to history. But your new name will be Lighted One. She wanted everyone to know it, no matter what darkness you've been in, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how sinful you think you are, you can come to the light. It's so good here. You can experience that living water. Praise team, can you come up? Some of you know my story. It's not important. Some of you know how broken I have been. I don't know your story, but I promise you God does. I promise you he already knows. When you're sitting there, uh, you know, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, you can't go to bed, and you just think you're so alone. I promise you he sees you. I promise you that the Holy Spirit is searching, is searching the earth, And searching the deep, deepest places. And your soul is the deepest place of all. God wants your soul, just like the woman at the well, Fotine, who became the lighted one. When the truth came to her the truth of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus and then the Holy Spirit came in when she was able to come out of the darkness. Friends, I don't know what your story is going to be. But more than anything else, I want you to meet Jesus. Some of us were like the Pharisees. We're so well rehearsed in the church. We think we know it, but when we're being really honest, we've gotten really dry. And some of us, if we're really being honest, we started to hide from God. We started to tuck things behind our back. We don't God, want God to see those things. Friends, can we just take a moment to pray before we go into the closing praise to just confess, you know, whatever it is on your heart. You know, you don't have to pray super loud. You can just pray loud enough that God can hear you. You, you can pray that within your, your your own heart, whatever you feel comfortable with. But just be honest, be real, share something real, right? Whatever you can, just one true thing with God. Where have you been? Where are you? Where are you right now? What's going on in your heart? What are you feeling? What are you insecure about? What is hurting you? What is breaking your heart? What is troubling you? What is keeping you up at night? Bring that before God. Come out of hiding. Come into the light. Come into the deep waters with Christ. Precious God, we come before you, Lord. We need you, God. Lord, there's nothing that we need but your spirit, God. We are not a perfect people, Lord Jesus. God, we have sinned and we have fallen short, all of us, God. We have looked for other things for our satisfaction. Like the woman at the well, we have been seeking for things that don't satisfy. Like Adam and Eve, when we sin, we feel so ashamed and we think we can hide from your presence, God. But you're calling out to us. You're calling out to our souls. Where are you? Where are you? You are searching the earth. You are searching the earth for people. Who are ready to respond to your spirit precious God we need you precious god we need you lord god holy spirit holy spirit come and fill us again lord we need you we come in precious god Precious God, we're so grateful that your love and grace is so real. There's none of us that are perfect. And many of us, God, we've gotten so used to hiding. But you're calling us out of the darkness into the light so we can become your lighted ones, like Fotine. That we can experience that living water. That we can experience the healing that comes from your Holy Spirit. We can experience the union that comes from a relationship with you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that there is nothing that will separate us from you. Thank you, God, for making a way for us to be able to know you and to have a friendship with you, to be able to follow you, God. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.